Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Today is our annual prediction day. We're going to talk about what's coming up in 2023. Ethan, all of his brilliance knows all the answers. So enjoy this episode of Hollywood Breaks and happy birthday, Lydia. Hey, happy New Year's Eve, Eve, Keith. Indeed. Happy New Year's Eve, Eve, Tim. Do you know what's happening today on this 30th of January, 2022? Uh, How about December? Let me start over. (laughs) Why start over? Just roll with it, man. Come on. (laughs) What I mean is December 30th. Okay. Am I already in January? My brain is a little bit. It's Lydia's birthday. Lydia turns 49 today. Wow, really? Can you believe it? 49 years old. Unbelievable. 49. She doesn't look a day past 25. Yeah. No, yeah, exactly. I don't know what yeah. it is. The Moldovan skin is incredible. <laughs> and it, I think she's taking after her mom. Something in the water. It's something in the water, Tim. I'm telling yeah, you, something in the sure. water. Yeah, for sure. So happy 49th birthday, Lydia. Indeed. Cheers to you. Next year's the big one. We're excited. Cheers. It's half a century old. Good for her. Um, all right. So let's kick out this episode. This is our end of year prediction, annual prediction mm-hmm. episode, which is our first annual because I'm going to guess we said something last year, but I didn't look back. But so let's make this. Up I didn't either. I don't know how accurate we were, but <laughs> I'm sure we were spot on because I told so everything I thought was going to happen, <laughs> but I can remember totally. Happened. <laughs> but it's interesting to, to think about what all the changes that can take place in a 12 month period. We've kind of been talking mm-hmm. about that the last couple of weeks. And yep. really, Hollywood has this ability to respond to pop culture have to put things out that create pop culture and then they have to run businesses. They have to kind of keep the machine going through all the thick and thin. And the economy has a major effect on, on entertainment. Yep. Where people go, how they want to consume things, what devices come out. It's a, such an interesting, interesting um, industry that we're part of. Um, so 2023 is coming right up and I want to sit here today and know, tell people we know what's happening. Keith's inside scoops, really are feeding us and we absolutely know the inside of what's going on in hollywood why don't you agree keith come on of course (laughs) brilliant we all know this i mean we're 150 what 115 episodes in i mean come on that brilliance doesn't you know come around that often so you got to enjoy it while you can we are known experts in our field (laughs) all right so let's 2023 look at i know one thing that's going to happen in 2023 the writers are going to go on a strike, right? It's time yes. for renewal. There is so much media out there. The landscape has changed. Technology has changed. These writers are going to go on strike. And the last time they went on strike, reality TV was created from the mm-hmm. So there's going yep. to be a big push coming out of this writer strike. Yeah, I mean, I, I was in I was at Fox. I remember it um, when it happened. Um, you know, and obviously there was a there was a certainty of worry of particularly amongst some of the employees that, oh, okay, does this mean we're all going to get laid off because there's no product to market? But um, luckily, uh, the studio had thought ahead and saw it coming. So they you know, ramped up a lot of scripts. So they had stuff ready to go in production during the strike. Um, I don't know if that's the same case, same uh, situation today um, that I would imagine they're probably stockpiling scripts in preparation for the inevitable slowdown, work stoppage. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely a possibility. Uh, the writers have a lot of complaints. I've been hearing and reading a lot about writers rooms that are just overworked, uh, working nonstop. The seasons have, funny enough, the seasons have gotten shorter, but there's a lot more demanded of them. And the way that sort of the streamers have been structuring it, 
so they don't have to pay out as much um, is, is, is causing a lot of writers to burn out. And it's also, you know, you have these big deals with like the Ryan Murphy's of the world that get these giant deals with like Netflix. And then that doesn't leave a lot of money downstream for, you know, the actual writers. So there's a lot of details that have to be worked out. Um, I think the directors have already started negotiating with the studios. So they usually, they're usually the first ones out of the gate. They're usually the least controversial and they usually get a solidified deal fairly quickly now. And then sort of writers and SAG follow shortly thereafter. But it'll be interesting to see because I think everyone's kind of looking at the writers because they went after the agents, the agencies yeah. with their packaging not too long ago, a few years back. And that really kind of worked out in the writers' favors because most of the agencies agreed to get rid of packaging deals and stop them. Um, so that worked in their favor. So we'll see if that continues into this into this year. Um, I think it's going to be a tenuous year. I think a lot of people are going to be walking a tightrope. I think the big question for the writers is, given where the industry is right now, where, you know, theaters are basically barely keeping the lights on, you know, there is a, a, a lack of product in theaters. And then you have the streamers where the quality is questionable. Yeah, streamers have consumed so much of the content. Yeah. I, yeah. I, so, to me, there's like a heavy deficit. Not only did the consumers, it feels like the streamers consumed every good piece of content and also every bad piece of content that was out there. Yeah. Out there. But then they had a cash crunch mm-hmm. too early in the system here. So that stockpiling of scripts had to take precedent over other other items, or they actually right. didn't have the money to stockpile scripts. So yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it, it's it's one of those things where it's 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 tough because if the writers do strike, what does that mean for the industry? I you know, it's tough to say. Like you said, the last one basically led to this boom in reality TV. We could be seeing another boom of reality TV, who knows? Or yeah. Or it well, the streamers. In. I believe the streamers are have to go live. That's what I think because the streaming well, services yeah. can't stockpile content the way they've been doing it through writing, directing, producer, and then just have some long play model. Yeah, we're gonna have to turn on a live feed and let live feed bring bring come in, and we're gonna well, be watching like congressional hearings on <laughs> Netflix because it's the only thing they're gonna be able to afford, well, and it's been happening all day. This is where it's gonna get interesting. So it'll be interesting to see because Netflix is, as I think I've mentioned, is doing their Chris Rock live their first live show with chris rock right around the oscars which i think is so on point for netflix um and he's doing a live show so if that goes off and is a huge hit then you're absolutely right you could totally see like the netflixes and the apples and the amazons all like diving in yeah i mean amazon's already playing with with the football and apple's been playing with baseball but actual live entertainment that that aside from sports we could see sort of a, a boom in that as well. Well, I can tell you one thing for certain. When there's a writer strike, I'll just say the last writer strike, traffic in Hollywood was awesome. No one <laughs> was going to work. So for the writer strike, there's more more green lights in Hollywood. It's unless amazing. unless unless Tim, they are protesting at Nakatomi Tower, which is what happened the last time. At the well, so, I was at the, the lot. If you're going and into they were, and they were surrounding Nakatomi Tower, which is how I got into the lot. So there was this all I had to go out like the main gate and it was it was a little kind of convoluted. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, no, not if you're going into actual Hollywood, you're coming over oh, right. Yes. Hill, okay. 101, yeah. 101, right there. Yeah, yeah it's yes. beautiful. Yeah. That was a West Side problem that you know, obviously <laughs> exactly. not everyone can relate <laughs> to. <laughs> 
All right. That's a, it's pretty fascinating to think about how much of an impact something like that's going to have in the industry. But mm-hmm. I think the streaming services are going to evolve because of that. And our content consumption is going to evolve because of that. And we honestly might just ditch all of it and go straight to Twitter or something like, <laughs> like TikTok would love be taking that. over the world. <laughs> Who knows? He might go into the live streaming before it's done. Yeah, that's all true. All right. So Rider Strike, that one's easy. Another easy one. Come on. Bob Iger has to find a replacement 2023. There's no, he yes, has he two does. years. He has to yep. pick a name. Yep. So he, yeah, you're right. He's, so for those of you who don't know, the board of, and agreeing to bring him on, on his biggest task is to identify a successor. His contract only runs through 2024, if I'm not mistaken. So like December 31st of 2024, he's done. So if he's smart, he needs to identify someone this year and then give a year of sort of like shadowing or training. Um, I think he's going to, he's going to choose like a cruise line coordinator, an events coordinator, because why not just pick someone straight out of the blue out of some other, why pick a qualified person, Keith? He doesn't, he's, why would well, he choose someone good? He he chose someone who knew that side of the business. And that was Bob Chapik. Now remember, Bob Chapik that was also my joke, played. Actually, that was I know, one. I know. I also Bob Chapik also played in home entertainment. So it's really tough to find an executive who can play in both spaces. So to to have the entertainment background and also understand the the sort of parks aspect of the industry of the business. Now. I think he has a fairly obvious candidate and Christine McCarthy, the current CFO, um, who obviously was very loyal to him, given her behind the scenes uh, machinations. I just made a word up um, with the board um, in terms of his her displeasure with how Chapik was running things. So you obviously know the big the big rub with the last go around with the Bobs was that Chapik wanted nothing to do with Bob Iger. He's like, I don't get go away. I don't want to deal with you. So obviously, Christine McCarthy would probably run it a little differently and want to work with Bob to sort of ensure a smooth transition. Um, she knows both. She knows all aspects of the business. She may have to hire somebody to come in who has sort of a better grasp on the creative side of things, because sure. as we know, you come into that situation and you don't have a lot of experience. You're like a bull in a china shop, which is ultimately what happened to Bob Chapek. But I think she could she could obviously learn from all of the mistakes that Bob made. And you know, also could help cement Bob Iger's but if legacy. You have two which is years a, of a runway with Bob Iger. You can yeah, obviously well, pick not up. to mention the fact that she's been working with she worked with him for uh, f- almost fifteen years, I think, something like that. And she's the CFO. What a great time to bring bring on a CFO, right? So right. You, the industry is going to have an economic shift. So why not have a CFO that could strategically plan? And the and the big thing with you know Disney is the relationship with investors. And so she obviously has a relationship with Wall Street. She obviously has a relationship with all the big investors. You don't last in a job like that and that high profile of a company without having those ability to have those relationships. So she ticks a lot of the boxes. And again, I think the big thing is for Iger, it's like this is his second go around of cementing his legacy. So I think he's going to want to make sure he picks someone who is going to steer the ship through what potentially could be very troubling times. And I think Christine's the obvious candidate now. That's a brilliant idea. Is there another candidate that's out there outside of the Disney realm? Yes, but maybe. I don't know. Um, but It's not very Disney thing- to, to bring out somebody just from the outside and pop them in there, right? It's uh, no. It's no. You, you bring them up. What I, I would advise, I, I, if I were to advise Christine... Miss McCarthy, I don't know her personally, so I should call Miss McCarthy. Uh, well, I would say, like, as soon as you start looking at your bench and start prepping for who you think should be the next 
CEO. Because honestly, I don't, I, I don't think Christine McCarthy is that young. Um, so that's another aspect of it. I mean, it's a hot, a, a, a big time job. Um, so she's also going to, I think would recommend that she take a look at her bench and see who is upcoming that could potentially be groomed to be the next successor, um, and start, and start moving them around the company, do the old GE model of like, okay, you've spent 10 years working in the studio. Now you need to go work in parts. So you understand that business yeah, sure. and sort of play that game. So you start setting up someone who, and, you know, set up a bench because right now Disney has some great younger executives, but they're so siloed in what businesses they perform in that when it comes time to actually take the realm helm of the actual overall business, they might necessarily have uh, a blind spot, which they can start to rectify now. And what a great chance to bring in some, some youth into the yes. leadership. Cause we, as yes. we've almost been complaining about for over two years, it's like, it's just not happening. There's no. many people in one generation running all these studios. Yeah. This is, might be an awesome shift there. That's exciting. So this Disney shift, Clearly trying to play the games with Wall Street, CFO choice. I think you might be right on that, Keith. I, I'd put dollars down on that in Vegas. So Ooh, that, I like it. I like one. it. I totally, yeah. I think that one. Um, can you, I want you to spend one minute telling me what you think the Oscars are going to be like in, in uh, <laughs> this year. Uh, how so? Nominees, the show? Watched or not watched? Do you think the ratings will go up, ratings go down? Anticipation of a, we, we put a wrestling ring in the middle of it. What's going to happen? Okay, so. It's 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 so mm, that's a tough one because one side of me thinks this could be a a a better year because there's an opportunity for more popular movies to get nominated. For example, the rumblings are Top Gun Maverick has a shot, Elvis has a shot, Avatar: Way of Water has a shot. All very popular movies. Uh, Obviously, Top Gun Maverick, one of the 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 biggest movie of the year currently. You know, Avatar is also doing fairly decent. Um, so there, there's an opportunity if you look back sort of in when the return of the King, which is sort of the, the pinnacle of the Oscars, um, when that one Lord of the Rings, obviously it was the biggest hit movie of the year. And then all of a sudden we started, they started awarding all these movies that nobody saw. So I, that side of it could help, but the problem is they've also gone back to rewarding, you know, presenting all the awards for the entire show. So it's back to being five hours again. Oh yeah. Yeah. And until we know whether or not they're going to play with the format, um, I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to make that much of a difference, honestly. I, and my take is, is that that the format change has to one somehow, some way, they're going to have to address the slap. You just you're going to have a shadow walking into the show, so choosing well, yes. the host is going to be the the hardest thing to figure out. The right. no host game is total BS. They have to. Well, choose. I think they realized that last year. The, and if they the make Chris Rock the host, it would be the most brilliant move <clears throat> they could possibly make. He's, there's um, no way he's going to do it. Of course not. But wouldn't that be amazing? He comes off as it would be amazing. Netflix special, walks straight into hosting the Oscars. We address this thing heads on. You kind of figure out something right there. And then we get into, I think you're right. Like the, the, the films this year are well received. They're kind of knocking off. The um, the whole idea of the OTT platforms and the mm-hmm. studios battling each other. I think we've absorbed mm-hmm. all of that now. It's like, okay, now we're just talking about content again. And if pop culture or popular films have some influence, yeah, people are going to want to watch their their favorite fans. Well, that's a good point. I never thought of that. All three of those movies I mentioned are all theatrical movies. Yeah. Well, one of them was a streaming play. Yeah. They weren't coming at it from, hey, let's play a certain game. I mean, I think the Emancipation was the only only... 
kind of yeah, Tim, you keep talking them. about. It. I don't think I don't think that has a shot, dude. I, I really don't. I don't think Maybe that's you're saying show. as best. Pic- there's there's nine best picture slots now. Whatever. I don't, I don't. I thought they got rid of that. I think they're back I down to five so. again. I hope so because it's so hard to watch all those. Movies. I think last year was the last year of the the <laughs> nine to the ten. Now it's going back to the five. I think. I think I could be wrong. Anyway, so uh, that's interesting. Uh, we're waiting to see, but it's something I'm anticipating because there's it's a yeah. carryover. Um, yep. Let's talk about the streaming services. There's got to okay. be something going to happen in the streaming services. What's your big prediction there? Uh, I think Peacock is going to. This is my big one, and I will be. Ha- yeah, I'm from wrong, wrong, but I think Peacock's going to end up turning off the turn off the lights either that or they'll get somebody else will swoop in and buy their content perhaps paramount plus maybe i just don't think they're playing the game and i think um what happened with bob chapik and that disastrous earnings call when they lost all that money and comcast has to worry about the fact that the people are cutting the cord they're not um you know they're yeah they're still buying you know internet but that's not enough to cover the the cost of losing you know the cable subscriptions and you know they can't just keep spending like crazy it's just not going to work so unless they have some hit within their first two quarters i have a feeling it's either going to they're going to call it and reassess or they'll they'll look to some sort of combination um Gosh, it's so interesting because uh i mean comcast is such a major player it's such a huge player yeah and they have to have some sort of ott presence or they're basically walking away from uh, a part okay. of it. I mean, yes, so the, the acquisition have, idea they, is interesting because it's something they could throw out there to create right. a new kind of partnership. I love that idea of Paramount because Paramount Plus is doing something that Peacock can't, they can't figure out. And, and maybe it's because Peacock is just garbage. It's, yeah. And they're already working together overseas. I think um, Sky and Showtime are in a partnership. So they've already started this sort of playing it off. So it wouldn't surprise me if that is ends up what ends up going down. I mean, they, they have a relationship because oddly enough and some weird way too complicated to explain on a, on a, on a 30 minute podcast uh, they have streaming rights to Yellowstone Peacock does. So there's already that sort of relationship. There's that. I mean, listen, there's also the Hulu component here because Disney has to make up its mind whether or not they want to buy Comcast out. Um, and that could flush Comcast with a little bit of cash to continue playing on orig- with original content. Or maybe they adjust it and they drop, they don't want to do content, original content anymore. And it's just a streaming service for them to run all their shows from their cable networks. I just don't think Peacock, as we know it now, is going to exist at the end of this year, this to end of 2023. Um, well, we don't know Peacock. So Peacock Swing that we don't know right now won't exist because nobody right. watches Exactly, because nobody watches it. Right. Yeah, yeah. I subscribed to it because I wanted to watch Halloween and then I immediately canceled it. <laughs> what, what Peacock has is reach. Like they, it's a very easy platform to plug something into. What they are missing is content. Yes. But you think about they're a cable network. They're not a cable, you know, Comcast carries other people's content Mm -hmm. almost agnostically. Right. Like they don't really care what, where it comes from. The studios use their platform to put something on there. And where, where Peacock had to compete was they had to start owning their own content. They can't do it. So interesting to go back to that media streaming service that other mm-hmm. studios can plug into and get a better reach. Peacock could, could accomplish that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I like that kind of thought. Cause I think there's, there's a lot of miss in the OTT playing in the field. And um, there's a lot, there's so much shakeup happening, for example, and, and we, the ESPN thing with, with Disney is just 
uh, one of the things mm-hmm. of like almost ESPN at one point could have spun off and made its own OTT platform. It was so popular and doing something. And now that whole thing's crashing. So there's another large media force available. I don't know what's going to be bought, sold, traded, leveraged into something, but it's a known brand and known followers. It's just not making money in its well, traditional. Um, there's, there's all kinds of, pr- so there's a lot of brands that are underneath the big corporate umbrellas. ESPN is one of them where there's been talk that, there was a you know some activist investors on Disney that wanted were pushing for the ESPN to be spun off. They backed off that that complaint, but now I think given Disney's financial position, it may come back to the fore. There's also the conversation of um, potentially uh, you know again as I said mentioned earlier, you know what what to do with Hulu. There's also if you look at Warner Brothers Discovery, there's then talk about potentially spinning off CNN. You know, because they're trying to offload so much debt that that's another pot- potential. But I mean, these are all. Gosh, yeah, because CNN was its own platform at one point too. Like it has oh, yeah, for like five app. seconds. Yeah. <laughs> but think about the strength of it one, just one channel necessarily yeah. that became a platform or could be a platform on its own. Now it's part of a field of other streamers trying to put something together. Yeah, interesting. Wow. Yep. I think that buying, trading, and selling of something. Is going to be maybe continue, but I think we're going to see a couple of big moves. Like the discovery thing was all felt like traditional large corporation, you know, mumbo jumbo consolidating things, putting, you know, reducing the number of ultimate brands out there now to what is it, four or three? You mean studios? Like, yeah, there's four now. Four, five. I can't remember. Yeah. But that whole, like, just, you know, uh, a larger body of people under one umbrella where mm-hmm. this is kind of like, now that we have all these assets, what do we do with them? The trading and the and the building up or collecting of them into one platform. Interesting. So yep. Peacock, ESPN, stuff like that. Um, you know, the other thing that OTT needs to kind of deal with is the content situation. If the writer strike is kind of going to put something, um, slow down the production elements there or move people to a different kind of format, um, there's got to still be an ability for an OTT platform to play. And the one I'm thinking about most is Apple. I don't, Apple still seems to be the most confusing platform to me because maybe they just have so much money and they're really just like a, like a woke media stream of like, well, we're only going to make things of cause, you know? So starting off with our very first film, um, the Al Gore documentary, you know, the amazing presence of something new and we can start getting people to think differently. Keeping up with that, maybe that's just the, okay, let's make something one or two films a year and put something out there. But I still think they have to, can, they have to buy something to be relevant. I'm surprised that the Sony deal hasn't, didn't, like they didn't buy Sony. Why didn't they just take it over? Sony is not, doesn't have an OTT platform. Apple doesn't right. have content. The two mm-hmm. of them are obviously major tech companies that play in the same space. Maybe that is the rub between the two of them. Uh, um, but I think like 2023 might be the year that we'll see Apple do that. Yeah, I mean, so I have two, I have two theories. One, I think um, the reason I think the Apple Sony thing didn't happen is because Sony is a much better position than it was at the end of 2022 or 2021. Yeah. Um, because of Tom Rothman, um, to his credit, has steered that studio fairly well, much like he did at Fox. To the point where they're making money again. Now, Sony, the parent company, was getting a little nervous because they were bleeding cash. And then Tom comes in and kind of turned rights the ship. So now they're actually making money again. So I think that's part of the reason why they've decided, you know what? Okay, 
we're actually doing okay. So why don't we just play like, you know, as the, as the gun for hire for all the other, you know, they have that deal with Netflix. I think they have a deal with Apple. I mean, they're basically like, we'll, we'll, we'll go with a streaming service that we will offer us the best deal, which is not necessarily a bad idea because it avoids the pitfalls of having to spend even more money on content to try to, you know, populate a streaming service, which like we just so basically production as a service. Well, the largest studios production as a service getting something. Yeah. So I think that's partially why, but I do think Apple will probably be taking a hard look at Lionsgate this year. I think that will be there. If there, if there is a target, they are interested in, I think it's Lionsgate. Lionsgate has a very healthy library. Lionsgate is prepping themselves essentially for a sale. Um, So I would argue that that's probably where Apple is going to look. You're right. They are a aimless streaming service right now. They have buckets of cash. Um, investors don't seem to be that concerned about it because they still have their consumer electronics side of the business. Although the challenges in China with the COVID lockdowns and the, you know, production issues are probably going to start hurting that, but their bottom line as well. So maybe that'll turn the attention. I was like, okay, well, wait a minute. You're having tr- production issues in China, but you're spending $150 million on the next Brad Pitt and film. This doesn't make any sense. You need to sort of, at a certain point, the Netflix spotlight is going to shift on Apple and be like, what are you guys doing with this? Yeah. yeah. What is your strategy here? There's no strategy. You're just throwing shit at the wall and hope something sticks. And for a while, I think Apple was just like, we're Apple. They'll, the people just come to us. But they still haven't resolved the fact that most people don't know what an Apple Plus film is, where to find it. So, I mean, and then so where do you find it? I can't. <laughs> Unless exactly. it's right there at the top banner on yes. Apple TV. I mean, the problem is they have like Apple TV and then they it's an Apple TV Plus and there's just consumer confusion around it. Now they had they had a little bit of burn with Blackbird and obviously um Coda did well for them and so they've had their moments but they it doesn't seem like they've capitalized on it and sort of figured out what their what their what their um strategy is and yeah, what direction what they're going to, what their game is. And, yeah. and they don't have a library and Lionsgate is a library. Lionsgate has some well, very talented film execs and talented marketing execs. They could bring them in. Cause right now it's, I think Apple is just a hodgepodge of people from other studios and there's no real, doesn't feel like there's a direction anywhere. Like, do you know who, like I know who runs films at Netflix. I don't really know who runs film at Apple. Who's picking the projects over there. Tim Cook. Are well, you kidding? <laughs> At the rate they're okay. making them, he can just choose them. Like, okay, that is true. Just make something. That is true. Okay, yeah. Given whatever their, yeah. their, their slow speed and you know how yeah. long it. Maybe that's you know, the problem. Tim's sitting around going, "Okay, should we talk about a movie?" Oh, I yeah. haven't read that script yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't worry about reading. I'd the also script. love to see Apple buy a, a movie theater. I would love to see what they would do with a movie theater. Oh, that's so brilliant! I would love to. I would love to see because you know that. Steve Jobs reinvented the store with the Apple store and it became like the 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 standard that everybody else was judging how their their flow was the store flow and I would love to see Apple kind of take that genius although Steve Jobs rest in peace is no longer with the company that sort of reinvent genius and spotlight it on a theater buy a theater buy a couple theaters and experiment see how it goes you're not far off from an idea because you know, Apple is basically taking over major, major kind of civic buildings and then turn them into Apple stores. Right. I think about the uh, uh, the library in Washington, D.C. Is it a Carnegie Library? I think it's a Carnegie Library in Washington, D.C. Yeah. These incredible old buildings preserved 
because they've been turned into consumer Apple stores by Apple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the fall down of the theater industry and like the actual, you know, the theater chain industry really means, hey, some of these buildings could be re- rebuilt, like they could be put into something, have an Apple spin to them. And spin. Or, or like you said, like, I mean, there, I mean, there's one here in Philadelphia. It's a beautiful theater. It's in, in Wayne, Pennsylvania. It's called the Anthony Wayne. It's got the old school marquee and. Uh, it's been closed as far as I can tell since p- the pandemic. And I don't know if it's going to reopen, but you know, that, that kind of marquee look, you could preserve it, but then reinvent the experience inside, which would, I would love to see. Yeah. And if you think about the real estate play of like, you can buy a building in the center of a city because a lot yeah. of people are there. They're basically just shuttered. Apple would have real, I mean, that's what Apple's in right now is the real estate game, right? They're yeah. using the consumer products to buy the best real estate on the planet, put their you know, consumer products inside of there and people are paying the mortgages. Yeah. Well, why not put, do that same business plan with theaters? Absolutely. I would then love they just, to see Then that. they would definitely need to uh, get a studio behind them or to produce something. Or well, yeah, especially since Brian Roberts platform. keeps ignoring me and won't buy a theater. So I'm going to try Apple now. Yeah. <laughs> Apple, please buy the theater near Key's house. He's desperately <laughs> wants to go back to the movies. I'm happy to help you design it and work on it and, you know, make it make it look nice and pretty. His so kids have to watch to... Puss in Boots somewhere. Can you just make it easier commute? For Maybe you? I need to send Tim Cook a free uh, case of Vision Craft Brew. There you go. Now the guy, now you're thinking <laughs> that's what he's missing in his life. Exactly. That's what he needs. Well, happy new year to you, my friend. It's been an amazing Likewise. Year. And, uh, you know, this last year, we'd celebrate our 100th episode. I feel like we're quickly on our way to the sec- 200th. If, we're, um, if we keep on this pace, we might hit 200 yeah. sooner rather than later. <laughs> and, um, you know, some of the conversations we're having and visitors that um, we're talking about coming up, um, guests are talking about coming up on our show. It's going to be an amazing 2023 year. Yes, it is. So much happening. And we're going to be right here covering it as much as we love to cover it because we're just love this game. So yes, it's we a do. pleasure to be your partner. And Lydia, Likewise. honestly, happy birthday to you. I know today's your birthday. 49 is an incredible year. It's one of my favorite years. So happy She's going to kill you for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tim. But thank you to Michelle and all the crew that keep us going. Happy New Year to all of you. We look forward to a next year for you all. And as we next time we meet, Keith, we'll be in 2023. So 2023, let's super do it. Super amazing. Yep. All right. We'll see you next year. See you next uh, year. Bless. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.